who had a lot to do with me walking to the church in the early days, and that's my friend Jill, who a lot of you will know. And she's, off, she's not been here for ages because she's in really bad health. But um, I wasn't the person that I am now, 30 years ago. Um, and um, when the church was planted, um, Jill used to knock on my door on a Sunday morning um, and drag me out of bed. And her words were, you can recover from a hangover as well in church as you can in your bed. <laughs> and I often did. <laughs> um, yeah, so don't make, make, make the assumption that just because people maybe are up front or leading in some way that they haven't done and made mistakes or had a different kind of life because there's a lot of us who have got a checkered past and this is why we are so passionate about God because of that checkered past and because of how he's changed us and made us new. So that's not what I'm preaching about, but <laughs> that's, that's just a bit of extra. Um, let me sort my notes out. There we go. So what we're starting to, what I'm starting today is a new series where we are looking for three, four weeks um, about the awesomeness of God. Um, and we're going to look at the awesomeness of God in different, situ- well, different situations over different things. And my job starting this up is um, that we're going to be looking at the awesomeness of God in and over creation. Now... Anytime we look at something about the awesomeness of God, the might of God, the bigness of God, or any of those kind of words that we use to describe God, we know we're only going to scratch the surface um, because I don't have that long. And actually, even if we kept on talking about the awesomeness and the bigness of God for the rest of our lives, we still would only scratch the surface. It's something we've got all eternity to do and we still will only just, it will, it will only just touch on it because he is so big. Um, and one of my, my prayers and our prayers for this series is that this becomes something that is not just head knowledge, not just something that you listen to for the next four Sundays and go, oh yeah, yeah, God is really great. But something, or even something that you discuss at Connect Group, because that's what you do at Connect Group. You talk about what was said on Sunday and and about God things and you pray, but something that actually travels much more from your mind or what you can see, um, but actually to your heart and to your attitude. Because when we really grasp the bigness of our God, the awesomeness of God, it is going to impact our day-to-day life. Because when we realise how big God is, then suddenly everything else pales into insignificance. However big our stumbling blocks, our problems, our weaknesses are, when it's looked in the light of the bigness of God, it just pales into insignificance. When I was thinking about our topic this week, I was thinking, when we think about God's awesomeness over creation and in creation, we know so much about the wonders of the created world. In the time we're living in, it is comparatively easy to go to some amazing places. Even in, within our own country, we've got some amazing places where we can see the beauty of God's creation. A few years back, I spent New Year with some of my family up in Scotland, and there was this mountain just behind us. And whether it was in the winter sun or when there was snow on it, you were just like, oh my goodness, and God created that. Um, we climbed it as well and halfway up I was also glad that God had created me with breath in my lungs because it was flipping hard work. <laughs> um, some of my family live down in Devon, so completely the other end of our country and, and I know Devon and the north side of Devon really well and it, there's just the sweepiness of some of the beaches and the sand and the sea and the, the more gentle hills there and mountains there but still so beautiful. Um, but, I mean, it is, it, with, with travel, comparatively cheap and easy, it is so easy to get anywhere and see it. And even if we can't do that, we have such amazingly talented people who make programmes that bring this wonder of creation into our very living rooms. Two which I really loved um, recently, one was called Spy Animals. Did anybody else see that? 
I've got some people nodding. I thought that was so funny. If you don't know, basically, really clever people made little robotic animals and put them in. So, like, if I take the meerkat ones, because I like meerkats, they put this little robotic meerkat in amongst all the other and watched how they reacted. Um, and and it, was, it was interesting, but it was funny. And also, I mean, probably the, the best of the best is the Blue Planet series. Um, some absolutely stunning um, camera work, some brilliant um, accessible understanding of science and the way things work. And um, we're going to have a video clip if everything works okay. It is um, an advert for Blue Planet 2. Um, and I just wanted to play it because of the, just the awesomeness of the visuals on it for creation. A generation ago, the series The Blue Planet took us beneath the waves. But now we know so much more. Take a deep breath.
watched that because um, I was thinking of using a clip from this, so I watched several, and I watched that. It just the awesomeness of it. It, 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 it defies words. Um, and because I was doing it in light of this, it was that God made that all. I mean, the, 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 the way those waves were crashing through to those really funny little things at the bottom of the sea. It's amazing. So I was thinking about how to talk about this big subject. Um, and I was thinking, well, I could talk about the awesomeness of God in the bigness of creation. We saw some of there, those, the ginormous whales, the, the, the huge waves, and that's just water. Didn't even touch on the land side of things. Um, we could look at the detail of creation, the, the intricateness. I mean, just those, what did they call them? The, the dancing yeti. yeti. I mean, the, the, how did God think these things up? <laughs> um, you could, you, so you could look at the detail, you could look at the variety. But as I was rereading creation story, there was one phrase that kept on coming back to me, and it was just simply, God said. You read Genesis 1, God said, and something happened. God said, and something happened. Which started me on this whole thought about God saying, God's voice, God's words. And so I wanted us to think in the light of creation, but think rather more about the words and the power that his words have when we see creation. So to start off with, the obvious one is his word is creative. Um, can't really look at this, uh, this topic without thinking about all the different ideas about how this word, world started. Um, there are so many of them. There are lots of people, lots of Christians who believe that the account in Genesis is six literal days. So six 24-hour periods. There are people, Christians as well, who think that it's actually, when it talks about six days in the Bible, it's talking about six um, sort of ages, six millenniums, six, a period of time, but not necessarily 24-hour days. There are people and scientists who believe that it all started with one little cell and some, somehow everything evolved out of that. There's the Big Bang Theory, and I don't mean the TV show. That's a whole different ballgame. Um, I can see who watches it because they smile and know what I'm talking about. Um, so there's all these different possi possibilities. And if I'm honest, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. And... I get to some of these bigger issues and I'm just going, I ain't got a clue how it all happened. All is possible with God. He could have done it in six days. He could have done, done it in six millennium. And actually, although I, I think it's highly unlikely, he could have started with one cell and done it all that way. Because with God, all things are possible. And however it happened, it doesn't make him any more or less God us any more or less created in his image. However it happened, it's completely unfathomable, amazing process. But there are some things that sort of listening to people, reading some stuff, and over the years, in my mind, I suppose I do have some thoughts about. And if you think about the idea about evolution, I do believe that what I would call and I don't know if this is a technical term or not, there is a possibility of evolution contextually, so within a pattern. So we can look at the human race, we can look at different species of animals, and we do see that things change. Um, the way things look change over a process of time, evolve over a process of time, adapt. The way maybe our grandparents looked because of the... The, the hard work they had or their diet or everything is different from the way that maybe we now look because we have a better diet in some respects we have a, a less physical life and that could change again in, in, in another you know millennium if we're here that long but what I would say about all these changes that it's in a pattern it's in a context um, and that pattern and that context is something that I believe was created by God. Because our God is a God of order and a God of harmony and a God of renewal and a God of life. So it seems obvious to me that within the created 
animals, planets, universe and us, that he's created that pattern to be able to renew physically and change and evolve depending on our circumstances. But then there's something that I've called source evolution and that's a bit of a different ball game. I heard a story once of some scientists who met with God and they said, we've got it all sussed out now. We can create a, a human. And God said, oh, okay then. So the scientist said, well, I challenge you. We're both, we're, we're, we're both create, you know, a human and, and we'll see who's his best. So God said, okay, fair enough. He said to the scientist, you go first. So the scientist bent down to pick this dust off of the ground and God said, oi, that's cheating, that's my dust. Create your own dust. <laughs> um, and I think that, that, that is something that, that as a Christian, um, why I can't believe in the idea that things just happened. So Genesis 1.1, probably one of the most famous verses about creation, says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's easy for us to think, well, that's the beginning. That's the beginning of this creation story. But actually, it's not. And it's really weird because you have to go hundreds of years into the future to something John, the Apostle John, wrote in the New Testament, which is in 1 John 1 to 3. And it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word is another name for Jesus. And the Word was with God. So Jesus was with God. And the Word was God. This gets really confusing. I've had some conversations with people about this whole thing that God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are separate things, but they're one. It's called the Trinity and it's a whole other topic. Uh, and he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So what John is telling us, that even before Genesis 1, there was something more. In the beginning was God, or was the Word, and the Word was with God. So in the beginning, the real beginning, before the created stuff happened, there was God, and there was Jesus, and there was the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, before anything. They are what the Bible talks about, always existing, never ending. There is no beginning or end to God. So they were always there. So that is the real beginning. It talks about this trinity, this Godhead of a God who was and is now and is to come. So throughout all our time and all eternity, he is there. And we look at Colossians uh, 1, 15 to 16, and it says the Son, so Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus helps us to see what God was like or is like. He was the firstborn over all creation, so he was there at the very beginning. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So this gives us the picture that Jesus was part of creation, it was done for him, it was done through him. Somehow this part of the Trinity is there in the whole mixture of creation. And it says here that all things were created, the visible and invisible. Now, I think it does mean, you know, those kind of things that are too small that you can't even see with a microscope. But it also means the invisible as into, we're looking into a spiritual realm as well. Often when the Bible talks about things like thrones, powers, rulers and authorities, it is talking about a human thrones, powers, rulers and authorities, but it's also talking about a spiritual um, hierarchy as well. So he was there in and everything created. So that, this is the real beginning. Then we get to what we thought was the beginning, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. And there is another verse, not in Genesis, in Psalms, which I love. Psalms 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens and earth were made. So in the beginning, God created. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. This all-existent God created the heavens and earth. And it says here, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. There's your big bang. If you want a big bang, 
There it is. I can't believe that God was just there and go, Earth, Sun, Venus, Pluto. I think there was such awesome creative power when he said those words, let the universes come into existence. It was a big bang. When, because it's not just our universe. He created everything, all the universes, all the ones we know about and all the ones we don't know about. He created it all. And I think it must have been a big bang after a big bang after a big bang. When I was thinking about this, I got a bit carried away because I was then thinking, well, if the planets were, or the universes were a really big bang, what happened when he, he said the starry hosts were by the breath of his mouth? Did he just go, and it was like, suddenly these flaming balls of fire were just scattered everywhere, which were our sun, or the suns. Was it lots of like, boom, 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 or was it, doo -doo 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 -doo, you know, like tingly? I don't know. <laughs> You look at the stars and you think they, they almost look like, like glitter. So you think, well, I do. I think of more of a tinkly sound. But then when you actually know a bit of science, they're these huge flaming balls. So maybe it was a type of sound instead. But that's why I have no problem believing in a Big Bang. Um, but you see, we could go on about the different type of creation, the variety. I mean... Where in his mind did he get to thinking, I'm going to make uh, cats, because I've got cats, I'm going to just do cats. I, so there's the big cats, the ones that run fast, like cheetahs, the lions, the tigers, the pumas, all that. But actually, they're quite big. I'm going to make some smaller versions, because they're quite cute. So he started making smaller versions of cats. And he knew that somehow, for some of us, I know it's not true for all of you, but for some of us, that cat was going, those, those cats would become domesticated, be useful at keeping the mices at bay in the days when you had no other way, and will sit on your lap and purr and make you feel really good about yourself. I think I thought about this because I was just praying about this morning, the cat was sitting on my lap purring. But, I mean, where did he come up with all these ideas? With the birds, the fishes, the everything. It's just amazing. But there is more. You see, all the wonder of what he created, the big and the small, was not the best. The best was yet to come. The best comes in chapter 2, or it does in detail, where it says in chapter 2, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground, the dust he had made, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Everywhere else, God spoke, and it happened but not with us, not with mankind. With mankind, he bent down and got the dust and somehow made a human being out of that. And then, then he breathed on us. He breathed his breath in us. That breath that we've just said created the stars. He breathed in us. We have God's breath in us. We will often talk about how creation is there to reflect God's glory. And we can see it, you know, we see his, his bigness and his awesomeness as we look at the mountains. We can see his attention to detail when we know that every one of our fingerprints is different, every snowflake is different. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. So we know that he cares for the, the detail and the intimate. But with us, with our creation, we're more than reflecting his image. We are carrying something of the created God inside of us because he breathed into us. Whether we acknowledge it or not, whether you're here today and you believe in God or not, it's immaterial because it's a fact. That is what it is. We are carrying something of the created image of God inside of us. Then I wanted to look at, at his word is his promise. Now in 2 Corinthians 1.20 it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him, amen, is spoken by us to the glory of God. So basically all these promises, what that verse is saying, all the promises that God has made throughout time, they become possible because of Jesus. 
And we can think of, uh, I mean, if I asked, uh, we could all think of promises that God had made. We, we, we thought about some of them during worship, the fact that he's promised never to leave us, that he'll always with us, that he will provide for us. There, there, there is so many promises in the Bible. But there's something before all that, because that's the thing about creation. There's, there's always something before it. So before we even start thinking about the promises that we know so well that are written down in the Bible, um, before we think about the, the prophecies that were given as a promise of a saviour and a rescuer to come and, and rescue us, before we even think about the promise of a rainbow, that God would never flood the earth again, before all that, God was showing his faithfulness and that he could be faithful to his word by creation. You see, creation serves three purposes, or three that I could think of. Maybe other people think of more. He reveals his nature through creation. In Romans 1.20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So almost before he was speaking, he was, in, he was putting into nature the faithfulness of his word, the faithfulness of his character, the fact that whatever he says, um, whatever comes out of his mouth is true and faithful and, and, and will happen. I believe creation was there to worship God. You could, I haven't got any verses for that because I started looking through Psalms and there's too many to mention. If you want something to do, practically, um, during the week, look through creations and find out how many of the verses in, um, look through Psalms, sorry, and find out how many of the verses talk about how creation was there to worship God. Um, and then the creation was, that uh, this earth was given to us, as in mankind, um, to rule, to reign and to enjoy. That, that, that was, it was like a present to us. And the more we look at the wonders of the world around us and all that is be beyond, and the more we see the detail of creation, which I think is what the wonders of scientists that they can do now, they're more and more and more beginning to get down into the detail of creation. And the more you get into the detail in creation, the more you see God being revealed through it. Um, there is, in my mind, no problem between science and, and Christianity. They go hand in hand. Christianity tells us why and who created everything. Scientists tells us how it all works. Um, and it, they, they can dovetail with each other. And we see in that that this creation that God made and brought into existence by his spoken voice has a pattern to it. It's made to coexist together, to, to be in harmony, to balance. It's made to, to have an in, interdependence. It's made to, to, to have this stability to it. And there is a, a, a constantness in it, um, a never-changingness in it, all of which talks about how faithful God is and how his word is true. And therefore, even before we get to things like rainbows and promises that it will never rain and promises of Messiah and all the others that are in the Bible, just by looking at creation, we can see his faithfulness and his, his determination to stay and keep to his word. Um, and the last thing I want us to look about is that his word leads to action or his words lead to action. In the, in the beginning, um, his words led to the creation of the world. I think that, I don't, well, I suppose it depends how quickly he did it, but it seems like it must have been a really busy time um, because things were like toof, 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 all over the place. Um, but in 1 Peter 1.20, it says, he, that is Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last days for your sake. You see, when God was creating this wonder of creation, this perfect world, I know you're all going to say, what? Perfect world? I'm getting there. 
when he created the perfect world, he knew it wasn't going to stay like that. He knew that mankind was going to rebel. He knew that there was going to need to be a rescue plan. This verse says he was chosen, Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world. So he already knew that Jesus was going to be needed to rescue the world he created. And yet he still went on and created it. And we know that our world is broken. We know the, the natural world is broken. Not everything works in harmony. Not everything works the way it should do. We know it within our own bodies. There is plenty of us who can attest to here to aches, pains, colds and everything else that means that our bodies aren't working the way that they should do. Um, we are also so aware often of our failings and our weaknesses and the things that we look back in our past and we regret or the pains because of the way people have treated us and all that kind of messed up brokenness. And we become so aware of it. But you see, before creation, before the beginning of the time, God was saying, I know this is going to happen, but I don't want to leave him like this. So I am going to put this, this rescue plan into action. Um, I am going to, 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 to be prepared for this. And when Jesus came and lived the world to show us the Father, and he lived in this world with all the problems of it, he knew what it was to be tired, to be hungry, um, all the things that we went through. And he died on that cross, which we've, been, we've, we've dealt with this in worship and communion. And he died because of the brokenness of the world. He died because of the brokenness of our world. He died because of our brokenness. And the reality is Jesus died on a hill he was created, on a cross made out of a tree that he created, by people that he created and came to save. He could have stopped it at any moment. He could have called legions and legions of angels down to rescue him. He could have flicked his finger, said a word, and it would have all been different. But he stayed there because he wanted this rescue plan to happen. He stayed there because he wanted to take that punishment that was ours, but he was going to take it for us. And the Bible talks about it as a grand exchange. There's a song also about it. Where Jesus takes all our unrighteousness, so that's all the stuff that we have done wrong, um, all the stuff that we regret, and even the stuff we've done wrong that we don't even realise we've done wrong. He takes it all. He takes all our pain, all our sickness, all our illness, all those things that people have done to us that, that have caused us hurt and pain, and he took it all on that cross. And in exchange, he gave us his righteousness. That means he gave us everything that was his, that was pure and perfect and good and healing and whole. And sorry, Elijah, I didn't mean to tread on you. <laughs> and whole. Um, as that grand exchange. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, God made him who had no sin, that is Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So either we've done this with the kids before, we've had this big container of black, yucky stuff, and you pour it into, I can't remember the right proportions, but there's stuff, you pour it into another container that looks like clear water, and because it goes all black and yucky, but then you pour something else, I think it's bleach, into it, and it just clears away. And that's kind of a picture of what happened, is that everything which was yucky in our lives was poured on Jesus. And he poured his cleanliness and his righteousness in on us. And because of that big rescue, that, that eternity rescue, um, that rescue that encompasses everything, we can also have this, like, I call it a day-to-day -day rescue. Because we all know that there are day-to-day -day things that we need help with, that we need rescuing from, or we need provision for, or we need help with. And because of this big rescue, our day-to-day -day rescues can still be the same. We can look through the, the Gospels, and we can see God again and again and again overruling in the day-to-day -day laws of nature. Because he created it, he can do it. He is not just awesome in creation, but over creation. We see him making light, 
lame men walk, blind men see, deaf hear, the dead raised from to life. Um, we can see him feeding thousands of people with like five loaves and two fishes and having leftovers. Um, we can see him, what else did he do? Um, um, and my, my mind's gone blank now, I was really in the mall off in my mind. But there was just so many of them that it, you just see him over, over ruling his own creative pro process because he is God over creation and he can still do that. Oh, that was one I wanted to talk about. He, he calmed the sea when the disciples were on the Lake of Galilee and they thought they were going to drown because the storm was so great. And these were experienced sailors. They, weren't, they knew what they were doing. And, and Jesus comes and walks to them on the water um, and um, Pete says, you know, if that's really you, because they all thought it was a ghost, if that's really you, call me to come. And so Jesus said, okay, Pete, come. And he climbed out the boat. I don't know what he thought. I mean, did he just put a toe in the water and goes, is he going to hold my way? Water doesn't, but I don't know. But anyway, he climbs out the boat and realises he's walking on water. And he starts, well, he's looking at Jesus, he starts walking. And then maybe there's an extra loud clap of thunder or flash of lightning. And he looks away from Jesus and suddenly he starts sinking. And Jesus gets the rescue speaker, obviously, and gets in the boat and the storm is stilled. There's another time where Jesus, they're crossing the lake again, another storm. There were a lot of storms on the Sea of Galilee. Um, and um, Jesus is asleep in the boat and the disciples wake him up. Wake up, Jesus, we're about to die, don't you care? <laughs> I think they were probably a bit desperate. And Jesus looks up and goes, oh, really? Still do you not trust me? Winds, waves, be still. Everything stops. Sun comes out, calm. And this is what he still does now. This is what struck me about these words, you see, of Jesus that created everything and are sure and, and, and faithful and secure that we can always trust in what he says and have power over the natural order of creation. They are still working and still happening now. When Jesus speaks into our lives, we are still rescued. When Jesus speaks over our situations that we have no control over, the winds and waves are still uh, quietened. When we don't know where we are going to pay that bill or get the food from or whatever provision it is we need, he is still providing not just what we need but abundantly more than we can expect or ask. He is still in the work of speaking creation over our lives, speaking dreams into our lives, speaking vision into our lives. He's still wanting to create, create new lives. Um, as we said last week, we heard stories of four people who have had that experience of Jesus coming and creating a new life in them. And he's still wanting to do that. But he's still also wanting to create dreams and visions in us. And we need to remember that God, the self-existent ones, that's the one who has always been the creator of this universe, has not finished. We sung today that God hasn't finished with us yet. He has not finished his creative work. It is still going on. It is going on through us and in us. And there is nothing that has been spoken over your lives that God has spoken in vain. There might be some of you here who in the, in, in the years gone by have had words spoken on, over your lives and you haven't seen them come to pass yet. But nothing God speaks is spoken in vain. There is a process to it, but it is not spoken in, in vain. Because when he speaks over us and in us and through us, he is creating that something. When he, when he speaks, promises are fulfilled. And lives are changed. When he speaks, the winds and waves still obey his voice. What storm do you feel you're in at the moment? God can still speak and still that storm. He can still rescue us from the storms of our lives. But there's more. Just as we thought right back at the beginning that we were made not just to reflect Jesus, but with his in his image, with his breath breathed inside of us. That means that when we speak, our words have power. How many 
times have we heard the phrase, well, they were making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah, yeah, I can see you nodding. <laughs> and that is because our words have power. The problem is, because we are not perfect, they can have power for good or for bad. But when we speak God's living words in our lives and over um, the situations we're in, we can, and we speak faithfully about this never-changing God of ours, we see our lives and our situations um, changing. When we speak it over those that we meet who are in the middle of a storm or um, feel in the bottom of a dark hole, it makes a difference to their lives because we can bring that hope of God's creative word and his uh, never-changing promises into those situations. And you know what? Jesus is still bending down into the dust because it might be that you're here today and you think, there's nothing in my life. There's nothing that can be created out of my life. That, that it, it is just so much of a mess and it's all so broken and so ruined. There is nothing. Well, I've got news for you today. We believe in a God and we serve a God here who creates this um, uh, something out of nothing all the time. And Jesus is still in the position of bending down into our nothingness and picking it up and making something awesome and brilliant and creative out of it and breathing new life into it. As I was as, uh, thinking about today, there is a, a song that really was on my mind and we're going to play it now and I'm really hoping it works. God of creation There at the start Before the beginning of time With no point of reference You spoke to the dark And fleshed out the wonder of life And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. And if the stars amaze and worship so light, I can see your heart in Every burning star signal fire grace And if creation sings your praises so
I think the, the words to that song are just amazing, and the video that goes with it. Um, but I, I just want us to take a moment. I'd ask that you close your eyes, not because there's anything majorly spiritual about doing that, but it just stops you getting distracted, helps to focus. And I believe that this morning that God wants to do something creative in people. Um, I believe there are people here this morning who, are, who have had dreams that God has given them, visions, things that they thought that God was saying to do. But because of whatever the circumstances, they, they, they think they've died. And God is saying to you this morning, they are not dead. My word is never spoken in vain. And I believe there are people here who feel like they've got the hundred million failures. And God is here to say, 
that they're dealt with. I can deal with them. I am still taking the dust and making something of it. And I would love to come and take the dust of your life, the brokenness of your life, and make something of it. It might be that you don't, have never become a Christian. You've never made that decision that you are going to live for God. And it may be that you've been a Christian and yet you're still so aware of, of things that are, are wrong. God is here wanting to create something new to assure you of his promises of new life. Father, I want to pray for each person that is here. Lord, you know what's going through each person's mind because you created it. And I want to pray that you would come. And for those who have dreams that they feel have died, that you would breathe on them. That breath that breathed out the stars that you would breathe on those dreams and you would bring them to life. That you would bring possibilities and expectation back into those dreams. And for those here who feel overwhelmed and squashed by things that have happened to them and things they have done and things they regret, Lord, will you come and speak life into them, new life into them, Lord. You are still creating and you long to create new life. So come, Lord, come. God is doing a work in you, don't let this moment pass. The time has gone. We're going to have 